This is part two of a special edition of Hear Them Out, episode three. Due to the intense details of this podcast, we have cut this episode into two parts. You are now about to listen to the second part of Hear Them Out, episode three. Pillow Talk presents Hear Them Out. A new podcast edition. We are your hosts, Danny and Claudine. Relationships. Are you ready? Self-image. Do you know your worth? Leadership. Do you have what it takes? Mental health. Have you checked in? And these are the voices of the youth. brings me to my segment of OG versus youth. At this time of our podcast series, we would like to go ahead and talk about the perspective of an OG, which is a millennial generational um, person, and the youth, which is a centennial generational person. And in this case, we have Leo here representing the centennials, all right? And we have Gio and Jason here representing the millennials. And during this segment, we want to just kind of dive deep in from the perspective of a centennial person like yourself who's 17 years old and the uh, millennial adults here. So what actually are your perspective, understanding of what happens with George Floyd? And the George Floyd, it, it hurt me. I cried, I really did. Because his last three words was, I can't breathe. But I got to get back to my youth stage because <laughs> I, I tell you I'm an old soul. But nowadays, youth don't know what we actually went through, what African-Americans went through. All we know is what people tell us. So, yeah, something happens bad to African-Americans. Okay, we going to go and go protest. But then two weeks later, it's over with. Right. Going on about our business until it happens again. And then right. it happens one more time. So, by us not understanding of what's going on, we're just going to play it by ear. Oh, they're doing that, so we're going to do that too. Gotcha. <laughs> but then, once we get tired of doing that, we're going to start doing this because we don't like that no more. I think that's what the youth aspect of the George Floyd thing is. It's a big situation now, but once people start dying down the first people that's going to start dying down is the youth. That's how I look at it. Okay. And the youth nowadays, you see followers, not leaders. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly the problem. Think issues will be more clear to people. You know, more understanding of how things work. And the youth of generations can see that too, you know what I'm saying? And it's been going on for so long that everybody just want to be a follower. I think just- lack of education and knowledge that's given to our youth. And so that's what he mentioned. That's what uh, Leo mentioned. Um, Because they don't know. Mm -hmm. So they're going through this phase of, this is what we're doing right now. And, you know, I'm just following the trends. I'm following the cycle. And I'm just going with the flow. But the truth is, we need to be educating them, not just on what happened in slavery or civil rights movement, but the... Like you mentioned, black economics. Like, why can't we understand that a little bit more so you can understand why we need to feed into knowing how to be a self-made person or giving back to your community is important too. And yes, even something as deeper in the sense of you're not like them. Uh, Honestly, we live in this country. It is a free country to us. We have been told that we are all equal, but you are now needing to understand that we are not all equal. This is not a free country. And it is not a free country. <laughs> and, and there's more And more God, we do not trust it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But see, with the youth nowadays, because we feel like we are entitled to mm, something. Yes. And we say. feel like somebody owe us something. Let me tell you something. My family, throughout the generation, everything we got, we worked for it. Mm -hmm. And we're not even from this country. I'm Bahamian, Mm -hmm. and my father's Indian. Mm -hmm. Everything we worked for, everything that we got right now, we worked for it. My family, we're all hustlers. Mm -hmm. We worked for it. It may not have been good ways, (laughs) but we worked for it. Okay. But 
Nowadays, the youth feel like they're entitled to something. Mm -hmm. See, growing up, I was my mother was old school, mm -hmm. my father was old school, my grandmother, oh Jesus, she was old school. Everybody that I grew up with, they're old school. Mm -hmm. You do what you got to do. You respect each other, and you respect adults. Mm -hmm. And every don't ask nobody for nothing. Hmm. Work for your stuff. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? One day, this youth gonna run the whole world. And how we're traveling right now, huh, we might as well just say we good as dead. Because the youth, when you don't give the youth what they want, they get an attitude. <laughs> I'm mad. I'm mad at work because I didn't get this. Okay, get up and go work for it. Right. And I had to tell my sister the other day, I shouldn't have to pay you to clean up your room. I shouldn't. It's your room. But I'm also teaching you for what everything that you do, you get paid for it. Because mm -hmm. she goes to a school where the whites, they come with $100 bills. And they're in the fifth grade. I can barely get $50. <laughs> so she asked me one day, she says, uh, Leon, can I get 50 bucks? Okay, you can get 50 bucks after you uh, clean up the dishes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then she says, all right, I'm done with the dishes. Okay, now go clean up the bathroom. Okay, I'm done with the bathroom. Can I get, oh, no, do the floor now. If you work, you shall receive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I worked this girl for two weeks. She just said, forget about the $50. Mm -hmm. But that's how it be. You're going to go to a job. You're going to work, 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 work. And every two weeks, you're going to get paid, 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 paid. <laughs> I'm teaching you at a young age to listen. Get up. Don't ask nobody because the more you ask people, people going to always remind you. You ask them for something. See, when you give somebody something, you should have to tell them. But nowadays, the youth, <laughs> it's an eye for eye and an ear for an ear. Because if I give you something, best believe you're going to give it back to me. I think, too. Part of that is when I talk to my, like, especially my seniors, I tell them I feel sorry for them because a lot of what's being presented to them is a false reality. Like, you look on social media and all people are posting is the best part, all right? Um, you think about, okay, I want to be a rapper because you think you can go in a booth, spit 16 bars <laughs> off the top of your head, next thing you know, they're giving you a million dollar contract and you can buy chains and cars, whatever you want. Not knowing, also football, they think that sign up, you know, go to play for one team. All of a sudden, you're starting. You get a scholarship. Mm -hmm. Now you're in the NFL. They don't false know. reality. Yeah, right. they don't now, know. now you just might end up as a one hit wonder. Yeah, whatever you do, you got to work hard for it. They don't see people bleeding and sweating on, on the mm -hmm. practice field, uh, doing right. two a days, all that stuff. They don't see that these people have to go tour city to city, not get any sleep constantly be working with people mm -hmm. maybe you're not even making the type of money as a rapper that people think you are because then they're not <laughs> teaching you about the contracts they're not teaching you about mm -hmm. the other stuff false hey. sense of reality that everything's instant that mm -hmm. you don't have to work hard for nothing false yeah. sense of reality that's hey, what you mean. That. see i might have to watch my back when i say this nowadays the rap is garbage to me because this is all they do once they make the beat booty Booty, 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 hit this girl, hit this girl. How much you want to bet my song going to be on the radio by tomorrow? Or the girls, take his money, take his money. Don't work, don't work, don't work. My song, girls going to be talking to it in the next couple of hours. I promise you, it's going to be a hit. But growing up, I see, I like Tupac, I like Biggie, I like all of them, N.W.A., because they have a purpose. Right, and they're still, their matches are still relevant. Right. That's why mm -hmm. you know about them, yeah. Yeah, and that goes back to us controlling the narrative Amen. of, you know, the positive and make sure we put substance back in things and, and we got to get back control of that because the person who's authorizing those songs to be heard on the radio, they don't care about our community. No. <laughs> right. And, and they let you do it. Yeah, and they're they gonna, let you do it. Yeah, and they're mm -hmm. going to allow that message to go out and damage a whole other generation of kids until they figure out that that's BS. And then by that time, it's going to be a whole other generation ready exactly. to hear another bogus mm -hmm. message. The youth, that's why they do what they do because they don't have motivation. Listen to what they listen to. Yeah. What you're saying about the youth, um, I want to hear from the OGs. Now, is there anything in particular that you can kind of maybe say to the youth? Maybe pull themselves away from the type of... The false reality. False reality that they're experiencing. Uh, what kind of advice from OGs I, I, could you I got, I got really one word. Open your eyes. 
<laughs> but no. how? Because that, 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 Edu- Educate yourself. And the youth have an advantage. Every one of them at their fingertips has these devices that are full of knowledge. But mm-hmm. they got to be careful because they got to know how to navigate and find the knowledge. Um, a lot of the information is there. It's historic. You got to read. You got to be able to sift through it. But if you figure out and you read and you see the pattern of what happened to us in the 80s, what happened to us in the 70s, what happened to us in the 50s and 60s, go back to the 1920s, go back to Reconstruction, and you see the pattern, you can see the parts where we were successful, where we were thriving, and we were. We've been very successful. Mm -hmm. And you can see the parts that were damaging to us, the parts with the drugs and the red line and all that stuff. And so you can see the positive and the negative, and then you can figure out how to extract that to move forward. Um, really, the, it's education. They got to figure out how to do that. And part of that is our problem as OGs is we haven't, right now. Yeah, we haven't necessarily facilitated that flow of information to them. So I, how can we do that, though? What kind of actions can we take as an OG we to use, support our youth? I can say we can use what they use to motivate themselves. Basically, like, you see how you got rap, you got whatever it is that they use to make them do what they do. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you know, when they do crimes, it's stuff around it. Just use what they got and turn it around on them. That's it. And I think you got to create opportunities for them. Well, let's Um, take it back old school. One person can change the world, as you can see. Martin Luther King, Rose Parks, Jack Ross, can go on and on. If one person nowadays in this generation... I promise you, one person can sit here and say, look, what y'all doing, y'all look like clowns. Y'all do. And what y'all are seeing, y'all are disrespecting our community. But let me ask but you this. That... Let, me, let me ask you this, though. Mm-hmm. You, are, you seem like you're a little unique as far as for somebody your age. Very. As far as <laughs> you're open to the messages. You see a lot of things that are wrong and right. But as far as your peers, though. A lot of them don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. Like, even if I'm laying it out, I'm saying, if you do all this stuff right here, you're going to end up in jail or dead. You know, they're, they're, you could get rich, but don't do it. I'm telling you from somebody from experience, I know what's going to happen. And some of them still going to go ahead and, and do it anyway. How, it, how, how, do, how do we craft a message to where the youth are going to be open to it? So I really agree with Gio in a sense where he's saying use what they already do so we have to find as OGs methods and ways of what they're enjoying what they're involved in and find our way into that talk to them and speak to them in a positive way and influence them to how um, they need to become as young men and women I agree, but I think the problem is even with us, with our nonprofit of Pillow Talks, we offer it to them, they still don't come. You know, the, we even extend ourselves and say we're going to go to them, and they still don't come. So we're at a gap of how much can, as an OG, put in if they're not willing to take it. You know, at some point we get tired. And, and I understand that, um, Claudine, and, and I know that. Leo already mentioned it from a centennial perspective that they feel entitled to. That is true. We see it in our education field as teachers, counselors, whatever, that these students just have a sense of entitlement. And so, yeah, if we stick our neck as far out as we can um, by providing these resources and doing these things for them, sometimes they're still going to, you know, shy away from it and not want to be a part of it. However, it just has to be a consistent pattern and always having that availability for them and i think as ogs yes we are too quick to be tired like we Mm -hmm. our ancestors were not tired of trying to have justice and change so that's the type of attitude we have to have as ogs i have a question for you all have y'all ever been to a circus yes y'all okay when a clown perform what does he want out of y'all your attention right when a clown performs, he wants your attention, right? That's what the youth wants nowadays. They want attention. They want recognition. You know how you can get through these youth heads? Don't give it to them. Don't give it to them. If you did all you could do to explain to them and show them and go back and back and stick your neck out, stop doing it. Stop doing it. But I think we would be failing them if we didn't. No, you won't. I'm going to tell you why you won't. Because now it's teaching them and it's waking them up that, okay, what we are doing, we got to listen to somebody. So if you stop giving the youth your recognition, your time, and your attention, one of them youth going to say, okay, now listen, we don't got the adult's attention. 
We don't got everything is falling apart. One day, this world is going to be accounted to us. We have to take initiative of taking care of this world. The OGs and everybody else, they are done. They're done. So now, we need to step up to the plate, put our big boy and big girl underwears on, and let them know, listen, we got this now. We're listening now. We understand now. So now, we're going to get up and stop feeling like we're entitled. As long as you give the youth attention, I'm talking about celebrities all the way down to people that are still in school. As long as you give them attention, you're telling them it's okay to keep doing what you're doing. But once you stop giving them that attention, listen, one you going to sit there and say, okay, I need some attention. So what can I do? And you know what they're going to do? They're going to sit here and take it back. Way back. Because have you noticed everything that happened? It's a 20-year span of everything that's going on. The police brutality. The racism. The African-American working under minimum wage. This all happened before. It, it happened. I and can you, agree to that. And you know what happened? It took one person to stand up and say enough is enough. We got to come together as one and stick up to these people. The only thing is we're going to be running the risk of them searching for that attention and finding it in a really dangerous place, you know. Especially within our community. Right. Especially within our community, um, when they start looking for attention, if we're not there to guide them or even have conversation, they're going to start being reckless. But you got to think about it like this. You can't save everyone. That's true. Thank you. And that's why I said my... It's impossible. The consistency is necessary. That's why I said the consistency is very necessary for us to just keep trying and keep trying and keep pulling and keep offering these resources in every angle possible. And then we can just change one youth at a time. And eventually somebody's going to get it. And like I said, not not everybody's going to get it, you know. And some of us OGs are, you know, we have one bad apple of an OG in a bunch every yeah. now and then. <laughs> so, you know, and I'm sure some of these police officers are OGs and they mm-hmm. have a mentality. That's what we have to do as one people. As I do agree with you, Leo, uh, that as a people, we have to change together and collectively. But, you know, we, we will have to eventually just keep trying and trying and trying um, until the wheels fall off. But this I, is the thing, though. A person gets tired at a point. A person gets tired at a point. And that I know, but still talking about what we can do as OGs for the youth. OGs are the leaders, should be the model, the role model, the example to set, should be, right? Um, and yes, we do have people who are OGs that are celebrities as well. We also have youth that are celebrity as well, you know? But if we just continue of just trying to just rebuild the cycle over and over, we can get somewhere. Piggybacking off of what Gio said. Nowadays, we're followers. So well, follow don't matter. That. How about you follow that? <laughs> <laughs> follow an OG. So, no matter it. how much an OG tries, guess what? It takes that one person out of the youth to not follow that OG. And guess what the whole youth's going to do? Follow that one youth that did not follow the OG. So the OG's got to sit back and say, okay, enough is enough. We tried everything we could do. One youth, one youth will get up and say, listen, we have to stop. We have to stop. And that might be true, Leo, and that might be what it would take. But hopefully that youth is feeding energy from an OG. Because that youth is not going to know everything that they can possibly do to lead their group of people. But see, the youth now, the youth from back then and the youth from now is different. I mean, just, it's like... In what sense? Their youth is like on steroids right now. So what we can do is, I mean, listen, all we gonna do is take it how it is. A lot of youth now, they only want to learn from experience. Mm-hmm. So unless they actually go through it, they're not going to be able to, you know, go back and say, you know what? I need to tell this next person, man, listen, man, don't do this because, man, I done been through it. Mm-hmm. And I've been the same exact way. I've never listened to nothing my parents have tell me. I went through my own experience to see how I can deal with that. And that's mm-hmm. clear. And now I use that now to help others. You know what I'm saying? To, to help my own kids. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't actually did it. Even if they don't hear me, eventually they got to go through life. This is life. This, this is the life that we live. You lay in that bed. You lay in that bed. Exactly. So, you know, it's not something that we can stop, but we can help it. We just had a great segment with OG versus youth. Leo, you did a good job 
representing for the youth. Very woke, very woke. Um, and it, thank you so much for representing from the youth. And you, the guys. OGs, Geo and Killens, thank you so much no for supporting the OGs. In this next segment, it is time to open the floor and ask Danielle and I any questions that you may have for us. Uh, I got a question. Uh, as a black man, you know, dealing with police aggression, brutality, etc. I'd like to know from your perspective, like your experience been as a black woman dealing with police. You know, with that I don't think that narrative really gets spoken about a lot. Um for myself, Danny, I I've never experienced um being in a situation with being uh, you know, ha- having to defend myself for a police officer um or anything like that. I I've, I've never been arrested. I've never been you know, in a position to have to feel like I'm being violated by a police officer. However, growing up, I was educated by my parents on what to do when I was pulled over by a police officer. Um, Matter of fact, I would get a lot of anxiety and I would become nervous and scared because I don't know what is going to happen. Um, I think Gio mentioned this in his story that you know, it's sad that many people get pulled over and as a black person, we're afraid of what's going to happen. What is this outcome going to be? You know, and some people may say, well, I'm getting pulled over and I'm about to get a ticket and I'm nervous and scared about to get a ticket. But my fear was always, um, and I've been pulled over many times for speeding, um, for being in a rental car, to be honest with you, with my tents too dark. And so, you know, and I would fear for my life, to be honest with you. And, and those are the only things that I can really talk about wherever I experienced and, you know, had some type of encounter with the police officers. But since a very young age, I was educated on knowing what to do. But still, the fear that comes through your body is pretty intense, <laughs> I think, you know, for myself as a black woman. And then just wondering, you know, do I, where am I? Am I around streetlights? Can somebody see just in case something happens to me? Mm-hmm. Those things just flash before your thought process. And then, you know, am I going to be violated in a way where I may be sexually harassed? Because I've actually had sexual harassment, not towards a police officer, but in a sense where I'm just feeling violated. That would be my experience. And, you know, I fear for my children. I have black sons. Okay. I have three black sons and I get nervous. They're young right now, but in the future, I'm going to have to educate them in a different way than my parents actually had to educate me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I was a woman, but they're black males, and they need to be educated on what to do at at all costs, at every scenario situation. And you best believe we about to role play in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Danny actually touched upon exactly the same situation. Um, I've never been arrested but I've been pulled over quite a few times I think recently probably about two months ago around like 3 a.m I was driving in Miami Gardens and I have tents in my car and I was speeding I probably should have been speeding and I get pulled over what was a few seconds felt like hours of him just walking up to my car and I have my friend on the phone and he's just like breathe is okay and I'm like, no, you, you got to come. <laughs> you you just have to come now, please. It's like, no, you're fine. Just put your hand on the steering wheel. And it's like, why do I have to have that anxiety? You know, right. why does that anxiety have to exist for me or anyone? And they walk up to the car. I put my window down. They realize that I'm a black female. I asked my license registration and then just said, slow down. If someone else was in the car. It probably would have been a different situation, probably would a longer situation. I don't doubt it. But like Danny said, that anxiety is real. Even for my brothers, you know, going out at night, I'm constantly texting and calling like, are you okay? Um, Recently, my brother has been through the criminal justice system and just that fear. You know, the minute I see a cop, I'm like, oh my God, let's just, just just turn another way. Um, Just to simplify that, because he has a criminal record now, I feel like if they see it, you know, profile him. Mm -hmm. So that fear is real. It's sad to say it's our reality. And like Danny, you know, I have two sons, two black sons, and sitting down and educating my seven-year-old. And why does this have to be a conversation I'm having with a seven-year-old? It's sad. You know, I'm very proactive in not allowing the media 
to educate them because the media will put out there what they want to put out there. Let me educate you rather than you grabbing it from somewhere else. But then I think to myself, wow, like I'm having this conversation with a seven-year-old and a seven-year-old asks me, why mommy? That's scary that this has become our reality. And I want to touch on that. You know, at a young age, we were taught, I would say we as OGs and even our youth, that if a police officer comes, you we're instilling fear into them. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's that's really Keep not a good idea, <laughs> right. you know. Because if we're instilling fear into them, you know they they're gonna look at every officer that way. It's you know, and it, it already puts a bad stigma on any police officer who is trying to do well, mm-hmm. you know, or try to do good for or provide justice or protect and actually serve. So, you know, it, it's like a double-edged sword here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we have to just try our best to just find some type, like a, as, a, as a country, as a, you know, society now, we have to find the resolution to this because it's going to be a vicious cycle over and over it's again. Just, it's mm-hmm. so sad because they laugh at stuff like that. Like, I see on Instagram, a mother got pulled over and the kid's in the car seat like this. With his hands up. With his hands up, like this. That's sad. And it, it was a black baby, but the fact of it being is that your baby that's that probably can't even say his ABCs correctly already know as a kid when you see a police officer, put your hands up. Yeah, the other day I was in a predominantly black community. I was speaking to a young girl. She had to be seven. A cop car came by and she's like, the police. I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, my mom said the police need to go inside. Like she was just panicking. I'm like, it's okay. It's just sad. So young to just start fearing. It's interesting that you guys are saying that because I know like eventually everybody is going to have to have that conversation with their children. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess the reason why maybe I didn't have mine until later was it was unique. My uncle was a police officer and, um, you know, I used, he used to drop me off to school maybe for the, like three years in a row. Like mm-hmm. I, I would get dropped off at his house and he would drop my cousin and me and my sister off to school. And, you know, I, I, he used to take us to, they used to have this thing called the, the pig bowl where it was like a football game mm-hmm. that police officers used to do. He used to always take us to the police, uh, like the basketball games and everything. So, like I said, my image of police was a lot different until it started really, I started interacting with some of the bad cops, I would mm-hmm. say. And it's sad that we as a people are reacting, kids having anxiety, putting their hands up, all this mm-hmm. stuff, when it needs to be the other way around, where culturally they need to be the ones changing mm-hmm. the way that they interact, you know? Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, instead of us, like I said, you know, doing all this stuff, but, you know, I got I got to see both sides of it also when I before I was teaching I used to work for DCF and you know I used to go to every neighborhood and you know of course when DCF shows up people mm-hmm. are gonna be nasty to you you know right, like, you're right. the bad guy right yeah or or fair yeah you. fair because of historically what happened mm-hmm. and I know ne- you know at first you know I never really understood you know I used to try to help people but there was a woman that worked in my office that she was always removing kids like and i you know it, it, when you work for dcf like maybe average you get one to two cases where it's bad enough where you have to remove the kids a month a month mm-hmm. and this woman was removing multiple kids a week and i used to be like it was a red flag i White. was like yes <laughs> and i used to be like either she's the most unlucky person in the world or something <laughs> or something really stinks like mm-hmm. what's going on and me and my supervisor used to talk about it and then come to find out she was falsifying reports and removing wow. and removing people's kids because when you do a removal you get more money because you got to do all this paperwork and you're wow. doing overtime and stuff and she was destroying people's lives and wow. you know just imagine you know she wasn't the only one mm-hmm. historically doing this stuff so that's how you get a bad reputation and that's why people would hate dcf because you know and i would listen to people be like oh that lady's lying and stuff and i'm like part of me i would be like maybe she is but i'd be like maybe you're lying but then after that it opened my eyes were like dang like mm-hmm. it was institutional yes and it's, wow. yeah and it's institutional problem with the police officers mm-hmm. where they need to start calling each other out 
and being like, hey, you know, something's, something's funny about that. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for, for us. You okay. I mean, how do you feel about the youth females nowadays? Yeah, good question. Y'all might have to sip y'all tea for that one. <laughs> <laughs> we started Pillow Talks of South Florida because we noticed there's a need of guidance for our young ladies within the community. They're being misguided by social media, by what is being put out there through celebrities because of this misguidance. I just feel like once that guidance is given to them, then there's hope. There's hope. And so you have to understand females are a lot different than men. I've noticed that in, and I'll just speak for our just community of black people that Um, Young men have been, you know, kind of told to just kind of be in solitude, right? be tough, internalize everything, be less expressive, Mm -hmm. not talk about your feelings and your concerns. It's it's a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, young women are a lot different Mm -hmm. Um, and we have our vulnerable states and situations and Um, Although some black young girls can be tough and taught the same as a black male, um, they are able to still find another person who is like them to be expressive and talk to them about different things. I would say that, you know, what youth are now females can really just be changed by the guidance, Mm -hmm. like Claudine said, and they gravitate to that. Mm -hmm. They feel like they matter. Mm-hmm. You know, they feel like someone cares about me. And because you're taking the time to do this, now we have a connection. I can call you all the time. I can talk to you about my issues. And we know that youth have a hard time speaking to mom, dad, or any other guardian, you know, that about certain things that may be an embarrassment or just guilt or shame comes in between all that. So, you know, and they're afraid to talk to someone else, like an authority who takes care of them on an everyday basis. But when they can connect with somebody, you know, like myself or Claudine here, it's a different thing. They're more open to talk about any and everything. Mm -hmm. So like our program for teen girls, that's something that we thought that we needed to do. We saw a high need, especially in this South Florida region. And that's what I was saying earlier in our OG versus youth. Like we just gotta be consistent. Mm -hmm. If If we're consistent, we can reach as many people as we can and and try our best to just do a, a change within our community of minorities or as the youth can be changed in that sense. Let me ask you, um, I know when I talk to a lot of young men, you know, they, you know, look up to a lot of the, you know, sports figures and mm-hmm. musicians from the young ladies' perspective. Who are they, like, striving to be as far as the women? Entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Good. Entrepreneurs. I really just see a lot of young ladies that Mm -hmm. are trying to be Mm self-made. And they see that I don't have to, you know, necessarily go get a a four-year degree right away. I I can start now while getting my Mm four-year degree and do my own thing. You know what I mean? And they look up to those women like that. Um, And yes, you do have those young ladies who are, you know, oh, I want want what Cardi B got or I Mm -hmm. want what... You know, I want a husband like Gabrielle Union and, mm-hmm. you know, things of that nature. You never get rid of those type of group of girls. Mm-hmm. It's in every culture, you know, but I think a lot of young girls and we we don't just service black ladies. OK, we do service Hispanic young women. We open our doors to white young women as well. What we see in the culture is what they're gravitating towards is trying to understand um, what these entrepreneur women are mm-hmm. doing, business owners. Um, nonprofit owners, you know, how they're able to, you know, flip their money. And so I think yeah. that that's a great thing. The narrative is definitely using their talents, become entrepreneurs. I think what our community is lacking is resources for young men, mm-hmm. specifically young black and Hispanic men. It's sad to say, but there's no consistency there, you no. know. Um, there's no follow-up there. Recently, within the past few weeks, I've just received a bunch of cases of just young black men and Hispanic men 
who are out here getting in trouble, the common denominator in all of this is there's no guidance. There's no father in the home. You do the search for a program to put them in, and either the program doesn't exist, which is a problem common here in Homestead, or if it does exist, it's not consistent. So what I would want to see is a program for our young Black Hispanic men down here, down south, that is consistent and that could just guide them and let them know these are options available to you besides basketball, football, and um, music. But like you said, there's no father in the home. But there is a mother that talks about the father, not the good things, but the bad things that the father did. And just like how society... Say for the black and Hispanics, it's as we belong in a prison or we belong in a grave. That's true. I so we have and to change that narrative within the home. It starts at home. They don't need to be a father in the home uh-uh. to help a teen male. You know, I mean, so back then, whether there was a father in home or not, there was a male in that community that was out here looking out for these young mm-hmm. boys, having conversation, right. you know, letting them know, you know, what's right, what's wrong. They got in trouble looking out for them. I don't see that anymore. Everyone either want to mind their own business or that's not my child or you deal with him. I don't see that. You know why though that is? Because believe it or not, African-Americans, boys, African-American young men put on this face of you can't break me no more. Because growing up, we all heard this. Your grandfather fought for you to sit right where you at right now. Your father, maybe he sold drugs, but he did it to put full head clothes on your back. So, growing up, they hear, I want to be just like my father, and I want to be just like my grandfather. I'm going to do what I have to do, good or bad, to support. See, some people think African-American young men are misguided, but all they know in their life is how to hustle. Because, like I say, it goes back to generation after generation. If you are in a family as a hustler, whether good or bad, that means that that's installed in you. So, yeah, you may be doing the wrong thing. Yeah, you may be toting around with some guns and stuff like that, and maybe you're doing it the wrong way. But out of all them African-American young men, they can tell you, I did it for my family. I did it for my family. Because all an African man wants to do, we're old school. We want to go out. We want to make our money. We want to come home, play with the wife and the kids, do the same routine over and over and over again. That's what the African-American man is built on, supporting each other. But now you have the youth telling them, nah, man, that's lame. Don't do that. Man, just come on. We could tote the guns and stuff mm-hmm. by ourselves. We don't need to sit there and support our family. Let's just go out there and let's do fraud because we want to do it. But that boy, you may have it. You may have it more than I do. So I got to do what I got to do to support my family. You just doing it for fun. And people get that mix. So that's what I say about that. Any more questions for us? Actually, I do have a question. Okay. My question to you is, okay, with the situation that happened with the guy, um, what if he wasn't black? What if, what, if, he wasn't what, if he, black? what if he was any other color but black? Would you still feel that same exact way how you feel now? That's a great question. That's I would. Question. I would. To be honest, to be 100% honest, I wouldn't. But why? He's a human being just as you are. Don't matter, no matter what color I, he was. And that's why I say I would. Because at the end of the day, if we have if we have protested in in situations before, and we're talking about Black Lives Matter, we're talking about uh, equal rights, feeling like we we want um, everyone to feel equal and and humanity. Okay, we have to be just as sensitive to someone else who is being videotaped on camera, with um, a police officer having their their knee to their neck. And killing them in broad daylight. That's a real insensitive situation right there that that police officer did. So you have no, as a human being with common sense and a right mind and a good heart, you want to just feel uh, sensitive towards that situation. So I will say, yes, I would be just as, I would be upset. I wouldn't be as just as upset 
I wouldn't be just as upset if he was a black man, but I would be upset. And yes, I would protest because police brutality is is now at this point not being faced with just uh, black males. Now we're talking about what whatever race and whatever uh, sex this person is. Now that was just wrong in broad daylight. That was wrong. I think I right. think part of the anger too is I think everybody would have felt as a from a human perspective would have felt the same but you got to remember too in that same police department not too long ago there was the black I think it was Ethiopian officer who shot the white woman and he's in prison now mm, right and, and I the, think the difference is that I think what we're angry about is we're kind of preemptively getting upset because when those white officers who do that to black people go to go to court we kind of have an idea of what's going to happen he's right. probably going to get off so the the anger comes from when the state kills us there's no accountability mm-hmm. nothing happens mm-hmm. but when it happens to somebody else there is accountability people are going to justice will be served but we know with eric garner mm-hmm. did, did anything happen to those officers nope, nope. tamir rice nope right all all of our people that died but you also have you also have to think about it's not their fault it's it's our justice system. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not really the people themselves. It's our system. What people? And, and what are you referring to? I'm saying like the people, like as in who who are behind the walls, who who are justified and say, yeah, you know what, I can give you life. Yeah, like and they, you bring up a good point because those are the people that are messed up. Part of this, like the DA, the judges, mm-hmm. yeah, the district Basically, attorney. The, if you're telling me that I cannot question or I cannot say that I'm a god and. A, why should you play God? See, this is what I would not care about. Because like you said, if it was a white guy and it was four black officers that did that to that white guy, I bet you all four officers would get death penalty. Right. Yeah, look, look at uh, Ahmaud, um, what's our Arbery case? They had, we, they had to protest and bring uh, awareness to the situation they weren't mm-hmm. even going to charge those guys for hunting him down. Right. And, him. and they weren't police officers, yeah. correct? No, they no, weren't. They, were. no, they no. were not. But no. And that's why I wouldn't be upset. Like, yes, I am very sensitive, very sensitive situation, but I wouldn't be as angry as I am now. Because right. we know if Rose would switch, they would have served time immediately. That's true. Immediately. Or their life would have been taken. Or their life would have been taken. Say, that's why I say that just. They, they're wrong because like yeah, look at the white guy who got pushed over the old man that was I horrible saw that that was, 70, 75 year old man yeah. in uh, Buffalo New yeah. York was pushed down by a police officer and they just left him and they leaving. left yeah. him there and look it the almost looked like the police there. officer was ready to attack again and he officers, got up they have no job now They're those officers that but look at the right. girl from Fort Lauderdale that got shot in her face by a rubber bullet and both her eyes were swelled closed. And she even still to this day, they opened up a little bit. But if she moved, like if she moved her eyes a little bit, she can't see in certain spots. The police officers are still working. Right. It's not about the justice system because the justice system is not the justice system. We, the people, makes the law. We, the people, we makes the law. We, the people, vote for the president. I have a question for all of you guys, to be honest, as all of you guys are older than me. What have Trump done about all of this? He's gone back and forth. At first, he made a statement, you know, saying, you know, something positive about George. But then he kind of went back on that and he's been ratcheting up more talking to his base mm-hmm. about, you know, and speaking more negatively about the situation mm-hmm. and kind of putting gasoline on the fire. Look at the White House now. He has to have a Thank gate you. around the mm-hmm. White House. He's ignored the protests and he's ignored the people. And if you so, want me to be honest, you know why he's doing all of this? Just because he wants people to feel like he's better than Joe Biden. Because Joe Biden said, how can you not vote for me and you black? Yeah, Joe Biden you're another white person. <laughs> you may be making promises that you may not keep. <laughs> yeah. So, to be honest, look who we put in the office. Right. You know, mm-hmm. we had a peace sign with China, and look what happened. You're bringing up a good point. I hope at the end of this, that this is where the direction we start going toward. We got to hold Trump accountable. We got to hold Joe Biden accountable. We can't just freely 
throw our support vote the people anymore. Mm-hmm. Thank you. People in Miami, they were saying, you know, hey, well, we need to look at the district attorney in Miami. Mm-hmm. And then there's a black woman that that she's going to try to run to unseat Rundle, who's the current DA. But then I had to take a step back and I always be like, okay, she's black, but is, is she that, for yeah, us? Does he mean that she's going to be better? Right. Because right. sometimes be another, they get in there and they place. forget. And that's my problem yeah. with politics. Yeah, we is... don't know what they're Yes, vote, but know what you're voting for. Know who you're voting for. Just because they're black doesn't mean I'm going to vote. Do your research. Educate yourself before you go to those polls. Can I ask a question for viewers and listeners (laughs) that are listening to this part of the segment? What does that mean, do your research for your candidates that are running for whatever office? What kind of research could you tell them to look for? when it comes to voting their look at their voting record from the past look at what groups they've been associated with look what they're they're speaking about supporting now um also look at who's supporting them mm-hmm. look who look who's donating their campaigns and like that that'll give you a good idea of who's going to be pulling their strings or who's going to at least have their ear afterwards too How do you think we can make it easier for our black community? Because the reality is, sometimes they're not going to go through the hustle and bustle of doing the research, right? We got to make it more available. Like we do it. Educate them. And if that don't work, stop giving them the attention that they're looking for. You give somebody attention, they're going to come back to get that attention to you more. Mm -hmm. Just like if you give somebody, if you give a dog a bone. That dog gonna come back for a bone. That dog gonna come back for another bone. But just look out because that dog may be sitting there. Okay, he may be listening to you, and he but all he's doing is waiting for that bone. That's all he's doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're giving the youth. We're giving them the bone. And they're acting like they're listening to us. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're gonna post on their Instagram about all of this stuff. But the question is, for how long? And that's where I come in as a big part because, like, I tell anybody, I'm not a follower. I tell people off bat, I'm not a follower. And I'm going to tell you, you have to have something beneficial in your life to hang out. You have to be beneficial in your life to hang out with me. Because if you're not beneficial, I'm going to tell you about yourself. And hopefully, I'm going to help you be beneficial. (laughs) And if you can't be beneficial, then you can't be in my circle. There's been many people. I had friends that drive Maseratis, that drive Rolls Royce. Everything. And I said, that's great that your father brought you this. <laughs> but when you get out your father's house, what are you going to do? Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'm just going to work for my father. Drop me off right here. I'll catch the bus. <laughs> because at least that bus driver got out his father's house and actually got a job. <laughs> but you're depending on your father. Yeah. See, that's what we're all entitled. Yeah. That's what I, I mean by entitled. I agree with you, Leo. I see that um, in my profession. I ask people, you know, young people all the time, what do you want to do with yourself? What is it that you have planned for your future? And many of them at certain ages of their life, I'm appalled because they have no clue. No clue. But when I remember I was a youth, it was, what you want to be when you grow up? That was a part of getting to know this little child. What you want to do when you grow up, you know? And you're exposed to all those different things. So, and yes, I hear you. They're, they're interested in entitlement. Yes, they're interested in somebody giving a handout. You know, and into trying to get attention in the wrong angles. And we know that that's a youth in general. Like, we did that. You know, OGs did that too. You know, but what we have to understand is that we can never give up on our people. See, you know how I knew when I was beneficial at the age of nine. Because (laughs) I remember that I was sitting there and I was listening. I was at the barbershop and I was waiting to get my hair cut. And I was listening to these, like, 70-year-old men saying, oh, these youth nowadays, they don't know anything. I corrected them. I said, excuse me, sir. I know a bunch of things. Let's have a conversation. (laughs) They said, well, what you know? I know that y'all sat here and y'all may walk with Martin Luther King and y'all fought for our rights and stuff. I know a bunch of stuff. So when you talk about youth, be pacific. Don't just say youth don't know anything. A nine-year-old with that vocabulary, the old people was like, Wait a minute, wait, like, I tell people all the time, nobody can't control you, mm-hmm. but you. When people sit and say, you can't do it, you tell them, you are not me. You can't sit here and do this. Well, why? 
You did it. So why can't I? Like, for instance, there was a bunch of times where I go to a Dominic White school. People come with nice old trucks and nice Maseratis and in the ninth grade. Listen, I don't care. I come with a hoop de doo Press on the gas, the trunk come up. I don't <laughs> care. That's the thing. And guess what? I'd rather work my butt off for that hoop de doo than to beg somebody to get a Maserati. And that's what I want to be around. That's why when people say, and I tell people all the time, I know what I'm going to do in life. When you don't know what you're going to do in life at the age of 15, you have nothing going for your life. And I'm sorry to say that. If you want to do positive, you got to be around positive things. That part. Right. That part. So I'm really happy that we've had such an in-depth conversation about what's popping in our world today, what an OG's perspective versus a youth perspective is. You guys have brought so much to light in this yes. conversation. Yes. You know, all of you are young men that don't know each other. And it's so um, ironic that you have similar stories. stories. Mm -hmm. You know, we have Jason here, who's African-American. We have Leo here, who is Bahamian, and we have Gio here, who is a Puerto Rican American. What we have to understand is that you all don't know, each, but yet you have like stories about what's going on in our justice system with law enforcement and just life experiences. I guess what it shows to us here today is that no matter your race and no matter your age, you all have similar things that can be discussed and talked about and have awareness and try to bring a better outcome for the things that we're facing of inequality today. We want to say thank you. This segment of our show, you can give a shout out if you have a business or anything you want to, any last words you want to share with the youth. Yeah, I want to give a shout out actually for my lady now. You know, she's starting up her own business, you know, making t-shirts, shoes, designing stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? You guys can check that out at GiovanniPerez305 at gmail.com. And, you know, hopefully you guys support that because, you know, it's black-owned business. I want to give a shout-out to my church, New Cornerstone Ministry. We just started our church. For any information, you can call or text 786-451-5113. And I want to give a shout-out to me and my mother as every Saturday we go on Facebook under Dre Riley. And we do TED Talks about Christ and Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Calum Harris. His Instagram is royalgrind305. Also, you can visit, he has a nonprofit as well called Gifted Love Foundation. And the Instagram for that is giftedlovefdn. Uh, make sure you guys support black business. Thank you. Yes, thank you all. Please do your diligence and take the time to support Black-owned businesses and take the time to educate yourself as times are changing. And please, please, please go out and vote as the polls are starting to open in different states. Take the time, like Jason has said, do some research and go out and vote. This is episode three of hear them out thank you for listening to this episode of hear them out the voices of the youth if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to our podcast follow us on twitter and instagram at pillow talks 2019 just remember in all situations and obstacles you can change yourself but you cannot change others